Well, here's a blog I haven't seen for a few weeks. Peter Mullen, welcome. Uh, I was going to say welcome back. You've, you've sort of been here. I haven't. Thank you uh, so much. And uh, a great show on the way today, talking food intolerance. Yeah, Mark, we've, we've spoken about this before, but food, food really can affect us in lots of different ways. And particularly today, we'll be looking at what's called an IgG food intolerance. So, yeah, and how to work out whether maybe what you're eating could be causing some of your health symptoms. Peter Mullen is here and are talking the five most common food intolerances. Peter, I think we need to go back and at the very beginning of this, what actually, how do you describe or what quantifies as a food intolerance? Well, it is, it is an area of some debate, actually, because the general orthodox view is that, yes, we have food allergy, and food allergy is not to be mistaken with a food intolerance. So an allergy is an immediate response. So if you're allergic to peanuts, you'll know because every time you'll have peanuts, you'll react straight away, whether that's difficulty breathing, breaking out in hives, mm. whatever. So allergies are immediate, and most times you know you've got them. And how they do test, one of the tests they do for allergy testing or IgG, IgE allergy testing is they'll do a scratch test. You know, they do scratch up your arm and, that, and they'll look for reactions. So what I'm talking about today is what's called an IgG food intolerance. Now, an IgG food intolerance is still an immune response. It's still where your immune system initially might have been happy to see milk protein crossing into the bloodstream. But... And what we often become intolerant to are foods that we're eating all the time. And that's why this list of the most common food intolerances is a bit of a pain in the butt because they're foods that people eat all the time. And that's how you become intolerant. So what happens with a food intolerant, an IgG food intolerance is when you eat that food, say you're intolerant to milk protein, you have a glass of milk, the protein crosses the gut wall. In the bloodstream, your immune system now thinks that milk protein is a a foreigner or an invader it'll produce antibodies that stick to that milk protein and when the antibodies stick to that milk protein they actually make it more inflammatory and that then signals other immune cells like pac-men to come along and gobble up the food intolerance yeah. so it shouldn't cause any problems but what can happen is some of those immune now now activated immune complexes can escape the immune system and end up maybe under the skin where they're going to cause eczema or you know in the in the lung tissue where they're going to cause asthma um so yeah so that's food intolerances and food intolerances can be tricky because you can have some milk today um some gluten tomorrow and the next day have some eggs and then get a reaction so it's not always as black not always easy to pinpoint what you're intolerant to and isn't that the thing too because like you said they're things that we they're just part of your diet so i mean you might have a milk in your coffee today we have some eggs or whatever so it is a bit of a puzzle to pull apart now you've mentioned it a couple of times in your opening there peter dairy it's number one on your list um, but there are a couple of reasons why how dairy can become a food intolerance well, yeah, and one of the one of the reasons that um, we can be develop food intolerances, <clears throat> pardon me, is if our gut wall is inflamed, mm. or if we've got a bit of leaky gut, that allows protein portions to cross over a bit bigger than normal. Um, so, and then there's two two reasons why a naturopath will often recommend if someone's having gut symptoms or maybe sinus or hay fever, or eczema mm. or asthma. Well, you know. And we'll get on to how we can identify these intolerances in a minute. But with dairy, there can be two issues. You can be intolerant to lactose. Now, lactose intolerance is different to what I'm talking about with IgG. Lactose intolerance is where someone doesn't produce enough lactase in their gut to break. And we need to produce lactase, an enzyme, to break lactose into glucose and galactose so we can absorb those smaller fractions. 
if someone's lactase is low, then they don't break the lactose down. Those large sugar-type molecules don't get absorbed as well, end up in the gut where the bacteria go crazy, and that creates bloating and gas and diarrhea and stuff like that. Is this something we can find out pretty easy in the early going if someone lacks uh, enough lactase Uh, or not? Or is it tricky? No, you can get a test for lactose intolerance for sure. For sure, but um, what I what no no sorry back a bit like I, I get the lactose intolerance, but like you said that it, it can occur when there is a lack of the enzyme lactase. Yeah, is that something we can figure? Or is that through that test we figure that out? No, no, different test. Okay, different test. So the test that um, naturopaths can do is what's called a food intolerance test, where mm-hmm. we're looking for IgG antibodies to milk, but it's the milk protein. Gotcha. So um, and interestingly, casein, which is one of the proteins in milk is similar in construct to gluten. So a lot of people that are gluten intolerant can also be casein intolerant as well. I'm just having a look at the symptoms of dairy protein intolerance and um, have a look at those. Check, check yeah, them out yeah, there. Yeah. I mean, eczema, asthma, hay fever. I got my hand up straight away there. Bloating, skin problems, abdominal pain, <laughs> gas, pardon me, diarrhea and nausea. <laughs> so kind of a, a, bit of, a bit of a menu there, a bit of everything. Yeah, look, and it's one of those things that, you know, it's, it's working out what you're intolerant to is the, is the challenge. But, yeah, dairy, dairy definitely. Um, of all the ones we do, dairy is probably the most common, and um, that includes milk, um, cheese, yogurt, ice cream, cream, etc. And just very quickly before we move on from uh, dairy, uh, if, if it is identified that dairy is something that, that falls in this category for you, a couple of options uh, for milk and cheese. Yeah, definitely. So you can try almond milk, as uh, long as you're in, not intolerant to almonds, rice milk or unsweetened coconut milk. And um, you can get you can try some cashew cheese if you want something that's a bit cheesy. Have you tried that? Have you, do you, have you, yeah, have you, yeah, it's, it's nice. It's it, good? It, yeah, it doesn't taste as cheesy as like it might like look. Cheese, yeah. But um, it's still like a, a good substitute for sure. And I guess uh, uh, coconut-based ice cream and banana uh, for, for changing the ice creams. There used to yeah. be, now I know this wasn't on your list, there used to be a, a brand of oat milk that I used to like, which you hadn't mentioned, yeah. right? And of course, I loved it. It's the only brand of this type that I liked, and they just withdrew it from sale. I, I liked it. It must have been full of sugar, I think. That's probably <laughs> that could have, been, it. It could have been the attraction for sure. <laughs> it was, which wouldn't have helped anything. <laughs> Uh, the five food intolerances, the most common ones, tackled dairy a minute ago. A couple of ones that come up. Uh, we'll do egg in a moment, which is one I've hadn't thought of in that in that space. Eggs very a very frustrating one for sure. Okay, well we'll do the one that everyone knows that it's always high on this list: gluten, and that's yep. in that's in just about everything too. Well, look, gluten is a protein that's found in wheat and other grains like rye and barley, and it's the part of the the um, what allows bread to rise. However, and so gluten is kind of like, think of it like glue. So as the bread rises, as the yeast ferments and the bread rises, Mm -hmm. the gluten sort of enables the bread to form little pockets where the gas can sort of build up and get trapped in there. So it sort of gives it that texture um, to help it rise. Um, Now, about one in, and and it can be hard to digest and it may cause inflammation. Now, there are some thoughts that bread that, is fermented or made in the old-fashioned way. So we're talking your sourdough types. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like where they you know, m- might let it proof or rise for like 38 hours or something mm. rather than the quick turnover breads that we see you know, commercially made, that that may actually help 
reduce some of the gluten content. Well, that's interesting because, I mean, that was bread a long time ago that, and we didn't seem to have a lot of these problems. So maybe it's, it, it's a, a greater story there in how we produce and manufacture food. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is because I think um, even different types of grain that we grow in Australia may have a higher gluten content. I'm not 100% sure on that. But it's been estimated that roughly one in seven Australians now report sensitivity to eating wheat. So that's almost 3.4 million people. So it's a lot of people can be a bit reactive. Now, a couple of the interesting symptoms on this, some of the usual ones which we talked about earlier with dairy, but a couple of interesting ones, joint pain and uh, depression and anxiety. So the, the food... Yeah, it's yeah, that... crazy, isn't it? Like, yeah. well, It comes back to like one of my clients, one of my patients, if she had gluten, she'd get pain in her knees the next day. And she tried it a few times, and every time she had gluten, she did the experiment, and it's like clockwork. Yeah, Mm. and I can't explain why that would be the case, but you know, obviously, you've got your, and we're not talking about celiac disease. That's Mm. a totally different kettle of fish altogether. But um, yeah, some of the symptoms, obviously, you've got your gut symptoms: bloating, abdominal pain, diarrhea, or constipation. But um, yeah, fatigue is a big one. You know, anything, and again, there's this connection between the gut and symptoms as well. So Mm. if your guts inflamed if you've eaten gluten it's upset your irritable bowel you can be more fatigued you can get headaches you can get that um brain fog but um yeah it can just that low level of inflammation low energy can contribute to low mood like depression or anxiety as well all right we know there's gluten-free uh, breads and options out there and and more and more every day moving on to the next one eggs what's the story with eggs peter uh, look eggs is eggs is one of those things like You'd sort of think about it. You think, we can't become intolerant to eggs. But when we cook eggs, it does change the protein. And again, it's the protein in eggs that people tend to react to. So So you think we should be like Rocky Balboa, just have a a glass of five raw eggs? Yeah, maybe not five. Maybe you and I could do (laughs) two. He did five. (laughs) (laughs) But there's some people sort of think that, you know, raw egg is better, like easier for us to digest. But cooked egg may change the bond. Not for everybody, but um, it does come back pretty high in a lot of the patients that we test for as well. So um, egg intolerance, um, again... As we were saying, as I was saying earlier on, like often what you be the foods you become intolerant to are the foods that you eat all the time, and a lot of people these days are having eggs every day for breakfast. You know, if they're trying to do mm. a low carb diet or a paleo diet, then eggs is a big part of their diet now. So, well, that's it. You're getting, and you also you wanted to lose weight. You say, well, I'm not going to have the toast or the cereal. I'll, I'll just, just have the eggs. Have an omelet or scrambled yeah. eggs, and uh, if it becomes a food intolerance, you end up with things, uh, the joint pain and the the anxiety coming up again and again. Again. Yeah, anything that's going to upset the gut can contribute to those sort of symptoms. But um, IBS, bloating, stomach ache, severe headaches, and even migraines. Um, eczema, definitely. I've had patients have eczema that were intolerant to eggs. Um, tiredness and fatigue, brain fog, joint mm. pain, um, and even things like sinus and rhinitis. One of my patients with sinus. We found that dairy was definitely an issue for her, so we cut okay. that out for a period of time. And but she was still getting some, and then we did, um, we tested, and then we found that she was actually also intolerant to eggs, which because she wasn't having the milk and the cereal, she'd gone to having eggs. So when she cut eggs out, again, her symptoms were a lot better. Okay, so, so it is a bit of a jigsaw puzzle. Um, so if you're looking to cut out the eggs, we know where we see them, but uh, um, a few options like. Uh, cornstarch, avocado, yeah, because avocado and eggs go well together. But you're ruining that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sodium um, husk, love that. Husk. Yeah. So this isn't like in baking or cooking. Yeah. There's 
Um, you can buy, you know, mashed fruit if you're making muffins rather than use eggs. Uh, cornstarch, as you said, avocado. Uh, psyllium husk um, and chia seeds is a good binding agent as well if you want to if you want to make muffins or cakes and not use, um, try and get away from using eggs. We're going to do, just breeze through one more of these uh, before we head out to a break for a minute. Almonds and, and other nuts. Now, we know that peanuts are one that sort of jumps up in, the, in terms of the um, uh, allergies, but how, how do we end up finding, how do nuts become part of the food intolerance mix? Look, it's the same story, I think. Now, peanuts <clears throat> and tree nuts are different, because like, peanuts are legumes, so they grow mm. under the ground. So they're in a different ca- cattle or fish or different class altogether, but... Some people can become intolerant too because, again, oftentimes when, when we're on restrictive diets and we've cut out, say, the gluten and the dairy and now we think we might have to cut out eggs if you're intolerant, um, then almonds and almond meal becomes a good alternative. Unless, but, um, of course. <laughs> unless, of course, you're intolerant to the protein and against the protein in almonds. And if you're intolerant to almonds, it could be other tree nuts as well. So, um, And, again, depending on... Um, you know what symptoms you're getting, but good alternatives are things like um, olives, because uh, we're looking for the fats and the nutrients. Mm. Olives, sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds, avocado. So, um, because nuts are, are full of good fats as well, I mean, good source of zinc, calcium, and protein. Um, so, yeah, some alternatives there. All right, we'll come back with our uh, fifth uh, popular. Popular is the wrong word. <laughs> most common. Common. Uh, food intolerance, but there is some good news on the way There's as well. There's some good Peter. news coming. It, it's not all bad. <laughs> Health and well-being, just about to wrap it up with Peter Mullen today, talking the five common food intolerances. We've covered eggs, we've covered nuts, gluten and dairy. Uh, the final uh, the final one on the five, Peter, is yeast. Yeah, and yeast is a lot more common um, in foods than what people think. Well, it's bread and grog. That's a, that's a start. <laughs> Which can be a pretty big staple. So, yeah, so all your baked goods. And bread too for some people. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. All your baked goods, baker's yeast, mm. and all your alcoholic drinks, brewer's yeast. Um, so And there's there's other types of yeast. There's thrush or candida that can live in or, or on, on the surface of the body. So you can be intolerant even to yeast that's already in your system as well. So... Um, it can be so if you're reactive to something, it could be the yeast in it, not necessarily the gluten or the the wheat or the gluten. So, definitely worthwhile getting checked out for to find out what foods you are definitely intolerant to. And um, again, symptoms of a yeast intolerance are sort of similar: IBS symptoms, skin complaints, headaches. They all cross over, really. To be honest, um, are you adding weight gain to the mix on this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything anything that causes inflammation in the body can contribute to um, fluid retention particularly. Okay. Um, so steer clear of any products which are fermented, processed and aged. So even if you're yeast intolerant, you may even have to be careful with things like your sauerkraut and kombucha. Even though they're fermented products, um, there can be some similarities there as well. So you might have to steer clear of those for a little while. So that includes all your processed and cured meats, aged cheese, Dried fruits are high in yeast. Gravy, stock cubes, processed fruit juices, condiments, vinegar containing ingredients, alcohol, baked goods, yeast extract, or veg, you know, those sort of products. Um, from an alcohol point of view, so it's beer, champagne, wine. Um, now, all, all alcohol uses um, yeast to ferment, to make it. Mm. All alcohols um, have yeast in it because yeast is what 
ferments or causes, produces the alcohol. But um, the cleanest alcohol would be things like vodka or gin, just for anyone out there stressed or concerned. <laughs> you clear, you clear drinks <laughs> generally, um, and also too, you know, it's always a good idea to reduce the intake of sugary foods or drinks, which can increase the risk of or the growth of natural yeast in the body, such as candida or thrush. Okay, so if if somebody goes on this journey to find out uh, what the food intolerance they have, and, and somehow it's pinpointed at whether it's the dairy yeast, whatever it is. You take it out, um, is that for life? Is there a way we can bring the foods back? And What happens? Well, take us through that end of the journey. Well, look, it's a really good question. So the first thing is to find out what foods you at the moment are reacting to. And you can do that in a number of ways. Either do a food and symptom um, diary for a period of time, and that's where you eliminate suspect foods and then you can reintroduce them to work out what you're intolerant to. Or there are naturopaths can do tests to actually determine what foods you're intolerant to. So find out what foods you're reactive to first. Now, I'm not a big fan of, say, people going gluten-free and dairy-free for the rest of their life because um, things like good quality cereals and grains, good quality breads contain a lot of nutrition, as does dairy. But the idea is that you... If you determine, say, that you're intolerant to gluten and dairy, you try and cut those foods out for 6 to 12 weeks and just see how many of your symptoms improve. And then to challenge your food, say you want to challenge dairy first, you've gone 12 weeks, no dairy, you get to the 12-week mark, again, because we don't want to cut dairy out as a food source if we don't need to long-term, and you have two serves a day of dairy, say a a glass of milk and a yogurt, for three days in a row. And then you sort of... And in the meantime, keep in mind... We've been prescribed or you've been taking probiotics and um, good bacteria to try and help heal and repair the leaky gut or you know, work on healing and repairing the gut. So we want to take out the offending foods, heal and repair the gut, and then three days of two serves a day and then just watch for any reaction. So say your sinuses go crazy. Then you know dairy is something that maybe you can have once or twice a week at the moment and you can challenge it again down the track, but you know you shouldn't be going back to having it every day. Or if you want to test eggs, so and so you test for three days, wait for four. If there's no reaction, then you can incorporate that back into your diet. But if it was a high, I'd probably still be restricting it a little bit, maybe three times a week. And then you might test eggs. So you might have two eggs a day for three days in a row, wait four days, see if your eczema flares or see if you get a migraine. Or So yeah, so there's a process to go through to first off identify what they are and take them out and then reintroduce them back in so you're not missing out on whole food groups. From the, the folks that you see that fall into this camp, um, as a rough percentage, do you, do you see many of them are able to bring these foods back in some way, or is that, that more that Most, can, or there's some that just can't? Well, oftentimes you can come back with a quite a high list, but often it will be one or two major things on, the, on your particular list, say you've had a test done, are the ones that are contributing the most. And a lot of the other ones have just come because of gut wall inflammation and if you can fix the gut then they often disappear so you don't necessarily have to get retested you just have to work out what your tolerance is and then then you're fine all right a a bit of a trip through the five most common food intolerances uh as always peter marlon thanks good to be back with you and you'll be back with us next tuesday afternoon next tuesday afternoon mark and and you're looking lovely and refreshed after your holidays as well the man obviously lies for a living Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. 
You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>